Hello, I'm Dr. Ishan, a board-certified sleep psychologist. Are you busy with work and life every day? Do you have time to take a nap and relax during the day, even a little bit? So, the cognitive neuroscientist at UCR1, Dr. Sarah Mennick, just published a book called "The Power of the Down State and Take a Nap: How to Take a Nap and Change Your Life." Let's find out. Just a reminder: if you're struggling with insomnia, check out my insomnia treatment course at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Let's welcome Dr. Mennick. A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Hi, Dr. Madnick. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. Hi! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to see your new book coming out called "The Power of the Down State." Such a great name! Yeah, well, I actually got the word "down state" from sleep because、uh, we study slow wave sleep, and one of the important features of slow wave sleep is the slow wave, which is the slowest rhythm the brain gets into in deepest sleep. And the down and the slow wave has an up state where the neurons are all communicating in the brain, and a down state where all the neurons are silenced and they stop communicating. And they and what we've discovered in others in, the, in other labs is that this down state of sleep is extremely important for all of the good things that sleep does for us. And then, as I started looking at other areas of research and bringing other areas of research into the lab, I realized that there's many different systems in our body. That also have this down state, that is a time of rest, recuperation,、uh, replenishing resources, and so I sort of expanded the topic into looking at down states in all different functions: in、um, autonomic nervous system, sleep and circadian rhythm, exercise, and also in nutrition. Wow! Amazing. Yeah. So I never really think about down state. So seriously, until I see your book, because I'm from、uh, San Francisco Bay Area, right? Silicon Valley. There are a lot of、um, startups, a lot of、uh, engineers. People work really hard here, and I noticed when I treat people with sleep disorders, I noticed、uh, a lot of people don't know how to slow down, how to relax, how to sleep well. It's not part of our culture. Um, I think that we, our culture, pushes modern culture across many different types of, you know, not just America but everywhere, pushes us to try to fit more into this time that I call the upstate. Try to fit more into the waking hours, and you know, do more at work, train harder, get, say yes to more opportunities, get more things done, and we, and then that inevitably shortens the time. For these relaxing, restorative, repairing、um, opportunities that we have, that are not just in sleep, but also during the day, because we're just so busy, we we don't take any time for those things, and it's 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 costing us. You know, there's a huge cost to letting go of the restorative time,、um, and you you can see that in how sick people are. Right, that there's an increasing amount of people with chronic diseases. 
increasing amount of unhealthy weight and many of those unhealthy weight people with unhealthy weight lead to diabetes there's an increasing amount of cardiovascular disorder there's increasing amount of dementia and alzheimer's all of these are these chronic diseases that come from um, ignoring downstate opportunities both during the daytime and also during the nighttime wow i'm when you talk about that i'm just imagining the wave right Nowadays, if people keep on stretching the upstate without enough downstate, how they can make enough energy to pursue more upstate? Because there should be up and down. <laughs> That's exactly the image I, I have in my head, too, is this wave, right? We have the ocean wave when it crashes on the shore. It has a preparatory buildup. It draws into itself, and that drawing in creates the energy to push and crash, right? To, to the outward crash. And you can't have a wave that just crashes, 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 crashes. It doesn't exist. But that's what we're asking ourselves to do now. And um, it's, it's, there's limited capacity for that. Right, right. I love that image. And since you mentioned the well of the downstate is about sleep and you study um, slow wave sleep, so deep sleep, a lot of people, you know, nowadays keep on telling me, well, I want to be productive. So I need to use some method to increase my deep sleep state, right? Somehow there's a magical idea if I can sleep more in the deep sleep stage, then I possibly going to be more energetic when I'm awake. So is that a myth or there's some science behind it? No, I think that that's probably... Accurate. I think that people are actually um, they're decreasing in their amounts of deep sleep, and that deep sleep is actually the most restorative sleep. That's where we have the decrease in our stress hormones, the increase in things like growth hormone, melatonin. Um, we have the protein. You know, in the deepest part of sleep during slow waves, you have this protein synthesis that can only happen during deep sleep. You also have the consolidation of memories, right? Sort of the strengthening of memories and your experiences and creation of creative associations. Um, there's so many things, um, including the plumbing system in the brain that washes out the proteins that build up um, across your day of, of active thinking. Um, and those proteins really need to be washed out or they can become toxic for the brain and they can lead to the tangles that are developing in dementia and Alzheimer's. And so for sure that slow wave sleep, deep sleep is incredibly important. Um, but what's interesting is my research in my own lab has looked at the fact that it may not only be slow wave sleep, it may be the fact that during slow wave sleep, you have this natural increase in um, autonomic activity. So we have the central nervous system and we have the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is usually thought of as being, um, you know, there's the fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, the, the rest and digest system. And that these are kind of in opposition with each other. One is like a stress response and the other one is a relaxation response. Well, across the day, you have high levels of the sympathetic activity. And during night, you naturally have high levels of parasympathetic activity, another wave, Right high sympathetic and then low sympathetic, where it's low sympathetic, high sympathetic. 
And that natural increase in parasympathetic during the first part of sleep, which is where you have your deepest slow waves, that seems to be very important for all of these health benefits and cognitive benefits and emotional benefits that we see happening with sleep. Um, and the question is, can we access some of that parasympathetic activity during the day so that we don't put all of the pressure on nighttime sleep to satisfy all of the you know, needs that we've built up across the day? And I think that there's a lot of research to say, yes, we can, that we can do a lot of work to um, bring increased levels of parasympathetic activity and I, and I call this all restorative activity. Any kind of restorative activity that you can bring during the day can mean that you don't have to put so much pressure on sleep to be the answer. Oh, wow. That's great, great to know. Let's take a break and bring on our sponsor. By 2 or 3 p.m., are you so sleepy that you cannot focus? Are you tired of getting through the day drinking coffee? Are you worried how your poor sleep may impact your health? Check out my insomnia treatment course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Okay, now we are back. I know how many people are obsessive about, oh, do I sleep enough? Oh, recently I'm so stressful. I cannot sleep well. What should I do? I cannot function the next day. And then they start catastrophizing, panicking and uh, sleep and it makes it, it's harder for them to sleep. Exactly. Right. So, so I think that, it, you know, it's, it's great that people are now aware of the importance of sleep, but you don't want to be so aware that you can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You try to help yourself, but you're harming your sleep. Right. Right. So some of the things that um, I talk about in the book, how to bring more um, you know, amplify more of the restorative work during the day is starts with the breath, right? Your breathing is uh, the best measurement and the best regulator of the balance between your stressful revving up sympathetic system and your more relaxing restorative system. When you really um, engage in slow, deep breathing and control your breathing, that sends a very strong signal to your sympathetic system that you are in control of the situation, that you are not, you know, you're not in a stressful situation, that you have, that you have a positive level of sort of feeling around you because you are relaxed. Um, and so that sends a very strong signal to your brain and your body that it can deepen restorative response. And in fact, you do see with slow, deep breathing and HIV biofeedback training, when you're really engaging deep breathing with some sort of visual stimulus to tell you, you know, are you um, are you doing it correctly, basically, that you see really strong increases in parasympathetic restorative activity during the day. And that can lead to cognitive increases, more better emotion regulation, better sleep at night, and just greater health in general. So these are the, you know, that it starts with breath, but then there's many different things around breath that you can actually do. Also being with, you know, checking in with people that you love and that, that love you, being with people who are um, make you feel safe, make you feel taken care of, make you feel loved, being in nature. These are also things that, you know, being, there's the city streets, right, that are 
not natural, right? But then there's parks, there's oceans, there's forests, there's deserts, there's anything that you can connect with nature because there's literally chemicals that are being given off by trees um, and by plants that are immuno um, boosting. Um, and they also give you a greater sense of um, pleasure and restorative power than say working out in the gym or taking a walk in the city. So trying to connect with nature on a regular basis is also really important. Wow, wonderful. I hear a lot of great strategies possibly our listeners, our audience can really start using and practicing. Uh, a lot of connection to yourself, connection to other people, connection to the surroundings. Sounds like very grounding. Yeah, you know, there's nothing new about um, how to be healthy, right? It's, it's you know, exercise is another one. Um, how to eat well is another one. But none of these things are things that, you know, your great, great grandparents didn't know. Um, but we've somehow lost touch with these natural rhythms and we've lost touch with how to um, optimize our most kind of naturally powerful selves um, because of all of the, what I call these upstate parties. There's constantly some party that you want to go to and it's either electronic, it's either overeating with, you know, and eating fast food and eating unhealthy food. It's being sedentary, right? It's just working all the time in front of your computer. There's all these sort of things that drive us away from our natural instincts to be healthy. And I think that is um, one of the things I think that is, is important is to remember and, and go back to the basics. And these rhythms are, are basic. Every animal and plant and bacteria abide by them. Mm -hmm. Knowing the basics versus doing the basics, right? Or even remembering there are basics out there. I think it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think it's talked about even, you know, in medical science, like people, you know, the, the, how often are doctors asking people and how are you sleeping and how much exercise are you getting and how much out outdoor light are you seeing in the day? You know, it, it, all these questions, how many times do you have people that you're connecting with that you love that you see, you know, during the day, how connected are you to your social network, right? All these parts, um, they contribute to your well-being, but they also contribute to that rev restore, that sympathetic parasympathetic ratio that you need to balance on a daily basis. And if we did more of that kind of more global thinking about people, um, as opposed to just treating individual problems, I think that that would be, you know, a, a great step towards sort of preventative medicine. Mm, kind of like a whole lifestyle change to teach people the importance of downstate and how to use these scientific ways to really generate more downstate, no matter uh, like in sleep and especially out of sleep. Yeah. And having, you know, doctors, uh, you know, make sure that they're tracking that with their patients, having corporations and employers tracking that with their employees um, you know, all of these opportunities are there and they benefit not only the individual, but they also benefit, um, they benefit the corporate world, right? They benefit the employer to have people who are not getting as sick and we don't have to, you know, like the insurance rates and all these things. So there's definitely a two-way street, um, but it has to become a cultural discussion, right? It, it has to be, we can do as much as we want on an individual basis, but to really make a cultural shift, we need to also go to the top 
um, to leadership. And I think that would be also a, a great place to start. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, slowly, this all this movement going to move forward. A lot of people, organizations going to slowly change and really take this like as an important thing. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about downstate and upstate, right? So that reminds me a lot of my patients actually complain. Uh, sounds like their brain or their body works so hard in the middle of the night. And some people, if they worry a lot and they are under a lot of stress, so they find themselves very easy to wake up in the middle of the sleep. And then their heart may be pounding while upon awake, or they are start they start worrying once they are awake in the middle of the night and cannot go back to sleep. Do you think this is something related to the sympathetic system you are talking about, or this is something else? No, that's exactly the sympathetic system. So the more sympathetic arousal that you have into the night, um, the more your heart rate increases, the more your body temperature stays high, the more cortisol stress hormone levels stay high. And all of these are factors that have been shown to be directly related to how deep your sleep will be and how, you know, how deep your sleep will be, and conversely, how fragmented your sleep will be, um, and how light your sleep will be. And, and, and that is the least restorative sleep, right? That fragmented light sleep that's constantly switching between early stages of sleep and not really getting down to that deep, slow wave sleep. So definitely, um, once we, you know, I think a lot of the time as sleep researchers and as sleep doctors, we do a lot to talk about just that bedtime experience. But I think um, if we really think about a person in a more holistic way and we start thinking about, well, what did they do all day that led them up to this moment where they're super highly aroused when they should be really heading into the downstate? I think that's um, critical. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and how <laughs> you know, it, it may be asking a lot of doctors to start saying, well, when did you exercise to, you know, like, did you, cause, cause exercise is incredibly um, predictive of your slow wave sleep amounts, right? What did you eat today? If you're eating um, too late in the day, your melatonin is going to be delayed, right? So, so eating can affect your sleep when you exercise. So if you exercise um, and have a high uh, cardiovascular um, output exercise, like a HIT exercise, and you do that too late in the afternoon, what happens is that jump starts a huge sympathetic arousal state, and it takes it a long time to decrease um, your heart rate and decrease that um, stress drive. And for the restorative system to come um, as a follow-up, that will happen also much later. So you're, you're pushing that kind of sympathetic arousal into your nighttime sleep. So the idea is, can you move your um, high intensity exercise, um, high intensity cardiovascular exercise to a morning time? Because that allows for your sympathetic drive to um, have enough time to decrease and your restorative drive to have enough time to increase so that when you are actually going to sleep, you have that beautiful um, uh, synchronicity or, or, or um, syncing up of the deep slow waves with your restorative parasympathetic increase um, from that, com- that comes after exercise. So timing of exercise can be very important for when 
um, for how deeply you can be getting to sleep. And so morning exercise predicts better slow wave sleep than later afternoon exercise. So there's a lot of different things to think about that are not just about the bedroom, you know, that are, that are what you've been doing all day. Right. Oh, I love that. I think that's such important information, everyone, you keep in mind, right? Sleep is not just about the time right before you go to bed. It's not just about uh, being on bed in the bedroom. Sleep is a whole like whole day thing. Circadian yeah. rhythm is a whole day thing. And it sounds like it's not exactly what we do from day to day that is, is are important. Also the timing, what we do, what, when we do what, right? Exactly. Also, it's what we do. It's when we do it, right? It's, you know, we talk about eating and of course we want to eat, you know, the number of calories matter, but it's also when we're eating those calories because that can also predict when our melatonin onset occurs, right? So that, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of discussion around time restricted eating and intermittent fasting, and are they healthy? Are they not healthy? What are they doing? But definitely, studies show that the more you can push the majority of your calories to this upstate time when you have the highest level of metabolism, and then allow your metabolism to go into a downstate um, towards the evening, and then not eat at night because that just wakes up your sympathetic arousal system that's also going to affect your sleep mm, yeah huh so I, I definitely got a lot of questions from people asking when they should exercise so it sounds like there is some connection between morning exercise and better uh, slow uh, slow wave specifically the the cardiovascularly intense exercise the stuff that really gets your heart pumping weight training actually is better in the afternoon. There seems to be some genetic variation that is a circadian variation around weight training that you can actually gain more muscle mass in the afternoon. But they're really, you know, the, the speed running, um, anything that, you know, swimming, anything that really is cardiovascularly intense, you should do that in the morning. Oh, well, I used to remember back, back in college, I used to um, participate as a volleyball team. We had to get up like 5 a.m. every day to practice volleyball. Around that time, I thought I was like sleep deprived, but end up I was so energetic all day long. I could focus on study. I could do a lot of things. I was like, wow, amazing. More how super was your sleep? Morning. Yeah. <laughs> how was your sleep? Sleep very well, actually. If I choose to go to bed early, I definitely no problem with sleep and feel so good. So think back then, that's what's like very healthy period of time of my yeah. life. <laughs> and I think also just that what you said is, you know, getting to sleep early because there's a time to the night um, that, that can predict when you're getting your most deep sleep. And it really is the early part of the night because eventually if you, if you go to sleep too late, you're going to have, as you know, the, the REM sleep is going to come in and it's a circadian rhythm that just pushes REM sleep to increase in quantity. And once you have high REM sleep, you can't really have any more slow wave sleep. So you really want to devote early, you know, getting to bed early so that you make sure you maximize the time that people can, uh, the opportunity for slow wave sleep in the first part of the night. And then you'll have, you know, the REM sleep in the second part of the night. But if you try to go to sleep too late, you'll miss that slow wave sleep opportunity. Oh, wow. So it sounds like there are strategies and methods people can think of how to increase their deep sleep. 
For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, work on autonomic uh, activity during the day, exercise early, you know, high intensity cardiovascular exercise early, um, eating less in the evening, um, but also getting to bed early for sure is a, is a really great one. Wow. Awesome. I'm sure a lot of people would love these suggestions and I'm sure there are much more in your book people can find out, right? So if, if any of our things um, are really interested in your book, where can they find it? They can find it on any bookstore. You know, it should be in most bookstores. It's on Amazon Bookshop. Uh, they can go to my website, sarahmednick.com, and then there's links buy the book there or you could just go to Amazon or wherever you buy your books from um of course the small booksellers are need your <laughs> need your support as well um and yeah and then that there's you know a lot of different information on the website as well there's different talks I've given and a lot of press that we've gotten so people can read more about it wonderful wonderful yeah I myself also really look forward to reading the book sounds like it just got out and very fresh right and our audience possibly can be really excited to be one of the first group to really read it yeah. um, so at the end of the show any last wisdom you want to share with whoever are listening right now I guess uh, you know part of the part of the thing is is you know it's okay to have times where you're not behaving perfectly, you know, that, that, that you, of course, all of these kind of recommendations are, they can be stress inducing themselves, right? Of, oh, you know, what if I don't go to bed that early tonight? Or what if I, you know, change this or change that? And you just want to also be really open to the fact that your rhythms are very strong and they forgive, right? And so a little bit of leeway here and there is okay. You don't want to get stressed out by, by, um, thinking of these as hard and fast rules, but they are great intuitive processes to just think about and say, well, I know that everything is related. And so what I'm doing right now is going to affect what my goal is for sleep and what my goal is for my next day. So how can I sort of maximize my decision-making um, so that I'm kind of at my best as, as much as possible? Right. Thank you so much, Dr. Van Nick, for sharing all this wonderful knowledge with us. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Manik. So what's your action plan to change your life and sleep better? Leave me a comment on the website or in the Apple podcast and let me know. I also want to share a great news with you. I just find out that our Deep Into Sleep podcast ranks in the top five sleep science podcast according to feedspots.com. And I really appreciate and want to thank you, all the wonderful guests and listeners. So next week, we will discuss the technology behind sleep mattress. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. Yishan. Nice to have you in this journey with me. See you next week. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. 
This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.